Please listen carefully. We have to shout out to our newest fan, Elizabeth. She has slacked me every time a new episode about Christina Reed come out. So shout out to you, Elizabeth, and your enthusiasm. Also shout out to Ardo because she is also technically a new listener. And I think she started with Christina Reed's. Uh, I think she started. A, I could be wrong. I thought she started a little bit earlier because I love Ardo okay. for constantly engaging with us on social media. Uh, it it's true. really <laughs> makes me feel like the hours I spend on Twitter that I don't enjoy is worth something. Welcome back, sisters, to Everyone and Their Sister podcast. My name is Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. It has been a while since we've done an intro like that. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed our last four weeks of content. We did the Christina Reads Romance. We did the audio. We did the video. I never want to edit that ever again for the rest of my life. Um, When we'll see our faces again. Yeah. I mean, if a lot of people watch it, hilarious. They won't. Uh, Maybe we'll do it again. But I think for now we're going to stick with audio because, man, can we edit that in a day. (laughs) Uh, Good times. So we are coming back, kicking and screaming um, with our next episode, going back to our old format. Technically, this is season five because seasons don't matter in podcast world. We just label stuff with whatever. Uh, And today we are going to be talking about, you know, things that we're calling it started from the bottom and now we're here. So these are the kinds of things where when the creator made them, they had to make them on their own first. Whether that means it was a self-published book that maybe eventually got picked up by um, a full publisher Maybe, you know, somebody had to make a web series before they could get picked up by HBO or by Netflix to make their full on show. We're talking about those things that were just like creators had an idea. They couldn't get it made. They really loved it. So they just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it myself Um, because we just think that's something really we're talking about. And there's something really great about that. So that's what we'll be talking about today. And I'm really excited because I had like nine things that I could bring up and I finally narrowed it down to the one. But I feel like I could do this episode a couple times over. No, no banter? Okay, that's cool. We were recording for 20 minutes before this, so don't worry about it. Uh, we we really got everything out of the way in the one and a half hours since we joined this call. Uh, so why don't we just... Stephanie, what is your okay. what is your pick? The, the reason for the dead silence was because you said someone had to make something on their own. And I was like, you know what? My pick is fan... First started off as fan fiction based off Twilight... And then was later turned into a book series. So technically, this breaks the rules, but it was self-published first. We would expect literally nothing else from you, so (sighs) to break the rules. So, like, here we go. It's the year is 2012. Stephanie is second year university, and she learns about self-publishing for the first time. And you know what self-published book she decides to pick up? Because it's everywhere on the news, Fifty Shades of Grey. And you know why she's extra interested? Because high school Stephanie was really into Twilight. (laughs) Shock to nobody. Been there. And so she illegally downloaded Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know. I'm talking about myself in third person. Uh, But I found it (laughs) online. I didn't pay for it. I illegally downloaded it. And then I read, so I read Fifty Shades of Grey, which you, if you don't know, number one, you're in the wrong place because you should, you should immediately know. Who doesn't know the synopsis? And like, I'm just going to read a sentence because it's wild. So this is based off Twilight, but so Anastasia Steele, a college graduate, begins a sadomasochistic relationship with young business magnate Christian Grey. First of all, this is not BDSM. 
for it to even pretend to be BDSM is a lie. Uh, so, so okay, so that's that's me going into it. I had never read a BDSM romance book in my entire life. I had just blew through <laughs> seventeen books of Presley Cole. So that's where that's my where my <laughs> romance brain was at. And like, knew it was awful. Could knew it was terrible. But did I read literally all three of them in a week? Yes. So I don't know what to tell you. Like literally <laughs> Truly speechless. You don't. <laughs> I, like I don't. I don't know where to go from here. It's just like that. You would think. Okay. I read this almost ten years ago. The one scene that sticks out to me in the whole book series is that Christian Grey is so hot and horny for Anastasia Steele that he cannot wait for her to remove her own tampon herself. So he decides you know what, let me just remove it for you and whips out her tampon in the washroom and like throws it across the room. And like that to me was wild. <laughs> this sh- what does, this, what does uh, wild mean in this context for you? <laughs> uh, that someone would take someone else's tampon out. Like that's a personal, like w- did I consent for you to take out my tampon? Like regardless of the sex, I didn't tell I mean- you to take out my bloody tampon. <laughs> I think I think we know that consent was never going to be a thing in Fifty Shades. Okay, literally. Well, she technically she signs a contract. She knows exactly what she's going into. That contract is literally a thousand pages long. They read up the whole thing. He buys her a car. Yeah, real fucking official. He buys her some clothes. Like if someone was like, "Listen, I'll buy you a car, and like maybe I'll rip out your tampon for you." I'd be like, mm, "I'll think about it." To be honest, with you. Take out your diva cup. <laughs> Drink my diva cup. <laughs> but it all comes back to Twilight. Edward holding the little diva cup by a little stem. Sipping on his Sipping little it. shot of blood. Oof. Ooh. So how um, does, But for you, how does that scene compare to... And this is a spoiler for I May Destroy You. But in I May Destroy You, mm, when he takes out the mm. and then he starts playing... With the blood clot, because that, that that to me was wild. I lost my mind. I was dying laughing on the floor in that when that happened. I couldn't laugh. I was too horrified, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, it was pretty funny. I, <laughs> I feel like it's like a weird fascination that definitely would happen. I mean, I we know, you know, we all know that I have a specific period. <laughs> the Diva Cup I tried, it didn't work out for me. So I'm stuck with tampons and like, for someone to never want to remove the world it, knows. to remove a tampon from me and play with my like jiggly dried up blood is a lot for me. I can't. I don't know. It's not funny to me. It's, the, it's the, look of, the look of horrified. This I should also add this book series. I learned what anal beads were. So I'm oh, I'm on a little young staff. So I didn't know anything, and now, but like again, to clarify, this is not a BDSM relationship because it's, there's so many things wrong with it. I do, we do not have enough time to go into it. Um, so then I continue to watch the movies for funsies for uh, forensic investigations. Um, and the number one problem with that was they had initially hired Charlie Hunnam to be Christian Grey. And yeah. he couldn't do it, and like they never recovered from that. To be honest, I mean, I don't know. Jamie Dornan is really great to look at. I find him more attractive than Charlie Hunnam, mm, to be honest. Disagree. So, disagree. I, I Charlie think... Hunnam's eyes are too close together. Okay, what a specific <laughs> complaint to have. And I'm not even going to speak to Char- Charlie Hunnam more with regards to 
Jamie Dornan, his Christian Grey character is a little bit too similar to his The Fall character. And whether oh, yeah. that's because of the source <laughs> material or the lack of range, I'm going to need that to be explored a little bit because those should be two very different people. He did The Fall after, though, right? I think so. I think he's trying to recreate his image. <laughs> my personal favorite were all the jokes about how those two had literally no chemistry with each other whatsoever it was yeah. like watching yeah. siblings that's why i think it could have been better while i only read the first book and did not enjoy it therefore did not continue i thoroughly enjoyed the movies like i it took me a while to actually watch one it was i think i had listened to a podcast where they review the they the, they reviewed the movies and they said they're actually quite fun because you can never predict what's gonna happen next like it's a complete mess and i was like okay that sounds interesting because i love watching shitty movies that are like hilariously shitty and there is something to it like watching it i can actually repeatedly watch these movies because they're just like every single one and like once you forget what's happened and then you go back like i know i've talked about this several times probably on the podcast but when he loses Anastasia in his own condo, his condo, which is like two, I think it's two floors or something, but it's like, it boggles my mind that he cannot find her. Like he has to get his like security people to come in. There's like two to three security guards come in to come search for her. They can never find her. They never do find her twice. And she comes to them after. And I'm like, are you? joking like how do you lose a person there's no there's no walls to hide behind like it's one damn freaking like there's like five rooms well maybe like a little bit more than that but like i would hope over two floors you have a few more than five rooms well hello as they say in the book he makes a million dollar a million dollars every minute so he's busy he doesn't what, have time haven't we to learn. Learn. He time to search for five minutes no because that's five million dollars down the drain and he's not working you know what i mean like oh listen i'm sorry but this is how time time has evolved okay you couldn't make 50 shades of gray now because we should be eating the rich not fucking them <laughs> uh true but you know what this makes me think of call back to 365 days those sex scenes 10 times better those sex scenes are what 50 shades should have been yeah the movie which is, i agree with that and i think the movie because the book was so popular but the movie couldn't commit to being like an r-rated movie it was just wanted it to be like a money it was just like, oh, we need to make as much money as possible so it can't be rated R. And I remember that being a massive complaint that people who liked the books had at the time. They were like, oh, this movie has no sex. Like, what was the fucking point of this? They're just a bunch of horny moms just I feel like drunk. Christian Grey never, like, comes on screen. It's only her. Like, you never see him, like, and have an orgasm. But, like... don't deserve them. Yeah. We're past that <sighs> point as well. well. But I will say, for this particular theme, what I like is that no matter how you feel about 50 shades this is the ultimate start from the bottom story because that is still mm-hmm. the number one most selling book right and it was because and her, this bitch wrote a twilight fan fiction yeah like if you think it's incredible that this was fan fiction and it got like i was reading the stats like the most popular book sold outside of harry potter in one year in like 2015 like inc- crazy when i was working at indigo an old man came up to the cash and was like don't tell my mom <laughs> as he's buying the full 50 shades <laughs> series and i was like sir you're gonna have a great time <sighs> you know when i like my first year at uh, indigo well like i was at kohl's but my first year that was um before 50 shades came out 
And it was already popular as a fan fiction at that point, to the point where, like, a girl came up to me and was like, have you heard of this thing called Fifty Shades or something? Because my grandma read it online, and she said that it's going to eventually be a book, like, physically. And she's like, and it, she's like, I think it's based on Twilight. And I was like, what the hell are you? Like, I thought this girl was lying to me. Like, I was like, there is no way. And then she ended up leaving and I was like, oh, I don't know anything about that. And the, like, this is also like my like first like couple months working at <laughs> Indigo. And I was just like, I have no idea what to do about this. And then I ended up Googling it later and I was like, what the fuck? And I forget what it was called originally. Do you guys remember? Was it something like Master Ice? of the Universe? Master of the Universe. Yeah. That is significantly worse than Fifty Shades of Grey. And I don't even think that oh, that yeah. title's that great. Like Master also of the, the cover. Universe. I think the cover's pretty good for what it is. Like that cover, it, it the cover changed the game for like all erotic of erotica rom- slash romance. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's hilarious because uh, it's based off the Twilight covers. Like it's the same general idea with the single item. Yep. Yeah. The yep. black background. Like it wasn't trying to hide what it was. I and like ELO James is so smart because not only did she do the series, then she everyone wanted Midnight Sun, which was Edward's perspective. And she's like, I'm gonna do it first, and she did. She wrote the three, the same three Truly. books from his perspective. And I'm like 100 percent sure Stephanie Meyer was pissed, and that's why Midnight Sun only came out now. I mean, <laughs> you know what? I've gotta, I've gotta give it to ELO James. Good for her. I think yeah. her her husband's also a really like he was a popular writer, but now she's. More. Or he does films or something. He wrote her, right. the the husband wrote uh, the scripts for I think a few of the. Two Maybe of the that's why they're so wild. <laughs> he was just like, you know what? We're gonna put a car chase scene in here randomly for no freaking reason, and then also let's throw in a gun. Why not? I don't know, man. But that's the drama. But that part is in the books, is it not? I don't know that the car chase scene is. It was wild. There's like I don't a... know about the gun thing, right? Because yeah, like it's a whole thing that books. somebody tries to kill her. Yeah, I, I, don't yeah I think my mom read them. <laughs> I will never forget because oh. I worked it. I worked at Indigo as well during this time, and my, <laughs> like mom, we all did. my mom loved them. So I tried to read the first one, and not really understanding too much. Like I knew that it was like an erotica book that got moved into general fiction. I knew my mom was reading it, but like I, I just assumed it wasn't that bad. Um, and me, my mom doesn't read a lot, so it's not like we have a lot of books that we can talk about, because when she does read, she, God bless her, reads fucking garbage. She'll read every single Sylvia Brown random book that exists about talking to ghosts, uh, and she'll read a Jodi Picoult, and that's like it. Does she read the pet one? Yep. The don't pet worry ones about it, that she does. Was, oh my god, I uh, love it. Or now, not so much now, but she used to. So I remember reading the first one, and I was like, I fucking I hate this, and I don't want to talk to you about it. Um, but she read the rest of them, and my favorite thing ever was the third book come out came out i saved one for my mom the day it came out i was like this is for you i bought it at indigo day of got my discount gave it to her the disappointment she was like what a terrible way to end this series like it was just so funny this is my mom who just like doesn't read books very much doesn't really talk about them to be mad for like a week she was like so disappointing this woman wrote such a good book such a good series like it, she just genuinely enjoyed she thought 50 shades what gray was excellent didn't she like about it i fucking forget it's been a long time because you know that it ends as the traditional they're married with two kids that's that's every episode <laughs> she wanted something book. more okay you know what, it, Steph, you know what? to be fair it might have not even that i think my mom hated that he still had the like room or whatever uh, i think it was that i think she was like i didn't get what the point of the book was for him to just still have it i don't know listen i didn't read the third book so i don't know where it ended i just know my mom was very disappointed with where it ended up and it was very funny to watch 
my like 50 year old mother complain about this did you ever wonder what like the book clubs like the old women book clubs talked about when they talked about it? because like Fucking. this is like a book club book like people would just like talk about it and i'm like what are you talking I think about it opened up the room for particularly like white suburban moms who don't talk about these things with each other to just start talking about fucking with each other i think if we watch the movie book club that's exactly what happened with a bunch of women who were like well now i can talk about fucking with my friends and they're like great because you should know not that they were suddenly learning how to do it well but you know arguably this book opened up a lot for i guess just white women that's what i'm gonna assume i mean i could be wrong about that but like i have a a theory i'm gonna i'm gonna leave this with a final thought yeah it's time uh so the end of the movie we're gonna go to the movie she anastasia runs out of his condo his five-bedroom condo (laughs) because she could get lost in there and in the contract you obviously have a safe word for bdsm now that safe word word was red meaning you want everything to end so as anastasia Steele runs to the elevator to leave him she says stop instead of red now the director said she should be saying red instead of stop and i agree that would have been a hundred that would have blown this movie 10 times better than a fucking stop at the end of the movie but the author said no you cannot i'm putting my foot down it's got to be stop and that changed the whole movie and if it had been read it would have been a totally different ending and technically i feel it could have been a standalone novel and it would have been a romance it would have been a fiction title (laughs) instead of a romance but nope we got two other books it could have been ended at one with a red i can't remember what happens in the books but i'm assuming it was an end instead of a red missed opportunity that director was right el james sometimes you gotta listen to other people because they have better opinions that's what a a movie is a collaborative effort and that's it for me (laughs) good night (laughs) nat what's your pick my pick is high maintenance which started as a web series uh probably (laughs) one of the only shows i've ever watched from like its actual conception it was a web series on vimeo and i think it was only like i want to say like four seasons on Vimeo and they were like three episodes each and like the great thing about this show is that it's pretty much without plot (laughs) the whole show just surrounds this one dude on a bike called the guy you never get a name his name is just the guy and he is the pot dealer in I think Brooklyn and Manhattan specifically um but yeah like just New York so you get to see like parts of New York for a lot of the for why are you laughing sorry I just realized you said the pot dealer and then for Brooklyn, New York, which just gives me the idea that there's a single weed dealer in the entirety <laughs> of Manhattan and, and uh, Brooklyn. Those are his boroughs. This one guy <laughs> on a bike, he's super fucking busy. No, I, I'm only I'm only mentioning specifically those boroughs because I guess like I think the creator, Ben Sinclair, I think his name is Ben Sinclair. He's also the guy that plays the guy. <laughs> The guy that plays the guy who is the pot dealer. Um, I think he specifically lived in either Brooklyn or Manhattan. And so like he has a lot of like focus. And the those two boroughs are specifically another character in the show. But essentially this show, not to distract from the, the actual plot of, I guess I'm using quotations here. The plot of the show is entirely about just the characters that you're seeing. So like even like the episode names are named after the characters that he meets. And they're all people people that buy from him by 
pot from him. There's not really like a single plot line throughout the show. It's always about those single characters and they're all really good. And a lot of them are like actors you recognize now that weren't like really that famous before. And like, they're like such fascinating little stories. They're only like, some of them are like five minutes. Some of them are 20 minutes, but like, just like there's like one where Dan Stevens is in there, like one of my favorite episodes and he's playing um, a husband who I think, I think he's like a writer or something and he works from home or something like that. It's like a, who cares what he does? But like his, his, I work from home It's such a good episode. But like he, his like wife goes out or whatever and does whatever. And actually the girl, the woman that plays his wife is actually Ben Sinclair's partner who also does the show with him. But anyway, that's like a whole other side note, fun fact. But um, she like leaves the house or whatever. And then as she leaves, you see that he like wears her clothes and tries them on. And he's like a bit of like a cross dresser behind her back. And she doesn't know about any of this. And but the guy, his pot dealer does, because whenever he buys pot from him, he comes at the door in his in his wife's clothes and stuff like that. So like there's this whole other side of this man who his like his wife doesn't know anything about this side of him. But the guy does like the guy knows about like all sides of him. And it's like such an interesting like way that you can look at like like the human condition and all of that. And like like the, the side that the guy sees of different people like there's a really there's another really funny like you get like little tidbits of information about people but then there's also like satire in there as well like there's one character who plays a whisper a whispering youtuber (laughs) so it's like ASMR yeah it was like early ASMR and it's specifically based on the blonde one whispering ASMR like the very first one that coined the term ASMR yeah do you know yeah so it's based on her yeah exactly and it's it's so funny like the whole scene is like oh she needs to like get her her, get her pot from him and then like she you can see her whispering and she has like a Russian accent as she's whispering so you assume she's Russian and you're like oh okay she's Russian she immediately flips off the accent and he's like what the fuck (laughs) you just see the guy be like I don't understand and she's just like oh they like that (laughs) she's like they like the accent he's like so so you just pretend to be Russian and the whole time she's like yeah <laughs> and it's like this like holy like a whole like little funny tidbits about like every single person you meet and I love everything about this show it's all specifically character driven the so it did um eventually I think like a couple seasons in on the web series Vimeo actually funded it because it was so well watched on their platform I really think this is like one of like the one of the bigger things that Vimeo had going on at the time and like it was all by word of mouth like I had no idea about it until like my cousin told me about it and I was like oh my god this is so good and the these are like episodes you could rewatch over and over and over again because they're just that good. And it was something so different from what you saw on TV because not only are you getting all these like really unique characters um, that are just like they're normal, but they have like such like funny little qualities and stuff like that. It, there was also like the diversity in the show was really, really well done, whether it was on the LGBT spectrum or BIPOC people. Um, and then there was also this whole thing around it where Vimeo was like, okay, well, it's doing so well. We're just going to like fund it and then they did they funded it it wasn't like a lot like each of the episodes were like maybe like a cost of a thousand dollars each or something they were super cheap like it's just a guy on a bike (laughs) like biking around the city and then he like delivers pot and then they just have a conversation and that's it and it's like they usually like smoke a joint together and that's it and like the other great thing was like when this came out like 
I feel like marijuana was still being talked about like I mean it's still an issue in the U.S. obviously but like the way it was being talked about was like people that were smoking pot were seen in this weird in this like really negative light like there's like a lot of stigma behind it and I obviously the stigma still exists even though it's legalized in Canada but there was like a lot of interesting conversations that came out of it and the reasons why people use it like there was um, a character in there who had cancer so she used it for pain or somebody that was depressed using it for depression and it was like there was different conversations around that that I thought were really important Um, but then eventually after a few seasons and Vimeo funding it it did get picked up by HBO which was really exciting the quality is really really good like it was already good quality before for like such a simple format of what it is Um, but then HBO did pick it up and I think it's like it's doing really well like it was at like four or five seasons at this point and they're like full seasons they're like I think a good like 10 episodes each I haven't fully watched all of them because they're a lot longer (laughs) like I was used to like the five to like 20 minute episodes and I was like yeah this is good this is all I need but now they're like an hour long and I'm like well that's a lot (laughs) that's a lot of my time it really does check out that you are one of Quibi's only customers oh Quibi (laughs) it's true I mean like I the problem is it's like it's still such a character driven show and now I feel like in the HBO show where the where the web series didn't do this was it didn't really focus on the guy the guy was like a background character even though he was the main character you were following you didn't really know anything about him other than that he dealt pot and that was it and like he he was definitely really salty as a person which i absolutely loved it was so funny and every time you had like a little comment or like a reaction to something you're like oh love the guy (laughs) but like it it's like I feel like the HBO show was like no no we're gonna we're gonna do something with the guy like to the point where like I think in the first season at some point in the HBO version he goes on a trip with some of his customers (laughs) and I was like yeah and I was like I don't know if I like this (laughs) I was like I'm like this is this is a boundary that should not be crossed did they keep him for the age they kept the same actor for the same yeah okay because he he's also like the creator of Ah, the show yeah yeah so like it like it makes sense that he would still be the the dude or the guy or whatever the guy (laughs) not the dude wrong movie But yeah, it's it's really, really well done. Uh, I don't know if I'd recommend the HBO show. I definitely think the web series is worth it. I think... Is it still on Vimeo? It should still be on there. Actually, I think they might have switched it over to HBO. So they like might have moved everything. But like, it's definitely up somewhere. They were free. So actually, no, I don't think the later seasons were free. But Does Vimeo still exist? It does. And it does have video editing now when people do use it corporately. Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking from experience. Yeah. Speaking from, it's, it's used more like for companies, I think, now than like individual creators the way it was before. I feel like it was like um before it was kind of used like a better version of YouTube at the time for like filmmakers is how I would explain That's it. That's so interesting because I feel like every time I ever came across a Vimeo link, it was like great british bake-off season four episode nine and you could i still feel like i you see get, links like that yeah you'd get like eight torrents that didn't work and then the <laughs> one that did you know like that's that's the, what the Check knowledge i cedars. have of vimeo I, maybe like youtube without the adults uh restriction yeah maybe i mean it was definitely there was like Tumblr a way to fund things there was a way to fund things on Vimeo that I think was more advantageous to filmmakers. I think it still kind of functions that way. Um, they also have like in-house editing. So it kind of like, it's not like YouTube where it's like the Wild West. <laughs> and I will say this video is not sponsored by Vimeo, even though it does sound like a commercial for it. Like that we had an ad <laughs> read, but no one gave us money. We're available. 
sponsorships vpn call let us know express vpn yeah they're sponsoring everyone else why not us why not us true it's true but anyway it's like if we had a code i'm sure our 12 listeners would use it i would use it myself because i've been thinking about i'm not gonna lie these i've been working on me for express vpn because i have been debating it oh same you have to sell me something five times and i'll be like yeah okay i'll do it so i love how open they are that you can use it to watch netflix from other countries that's the one thing that i care about final notes uh you should definitely watch it i would definitely watch the vimeo version first i think it's a good sample of what you're gonna get in the hbo show um whether i would recommend the hbo show again i think you'd have to have a lot of patience (laughs) it's not a lot going it's literally people smoking pot and just talking and shooting the shit that's pretty much it it's probably a little bit more serious now i feel like the web series was like a little bit more lighthearted, even though you got like some serious topics in there but yeah definitely recommend it watch the vimeo version it's so good <laughs> do i have some favorite episodes clearly <laughs> i've seen um it on crave like i've seen it listed on crave and i didn't realize it was about this will i still watch it i'm not sure but it does sound like something i might be willing to put on in the background and then probably get sucked into what's the title mm-hmm. again high maintenance Ah. so christina all right so for my pick and this is just a note to the audience was there a weird cut cut right before this maybe there was who's to say uh maybe for the last 15 minutes we've been trying to decide if i've actually picked this book before for a different theme and none of us can remember because we know that we've definitely talked about this book before but we can't remember one if it happened in an episode did everything we talked about go in the episode and two was this a pick i picked specifically for a theme in the episode and i'm sad to say it might be true but I'm going to talk about it anyway, yeah, particularly because not? I picked this series because it there's something about it that pisses me off because it went from self-published to being fully published. Like the fact that that happened has an effect on my enjoyment of the series. And I know if we talked about it before, I definitely talked about this. So we're just going to see how I am still equally mad about something three years later, which was also several <laughs> years after I read it in the first place um and then we'll come back i wonder to if this. i'm gonna be like this sounds familiar to me like i'm, I'm i know sure i know you talked about it but i don't know what you said so and it's gonna I be like a new oh once i complain about it you're gonna immediately know you know what I'll now that know. we're talking what i think might have happened so this book series i'm talking about is uh, captive prince by c.s packet i'm all over the place now i'm like what is anything Um, It's got three books in it and it has five short stories. And so what I think is that maybe I picked one of the short stories for one of our random like favorites episodes because those all did come out just a few years ago and some of them were very good. So that's me solving a mystery while you're listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy that. We're adding a little true crime mystery element in uh, and those always seem to be our best episodes. So really, I'm just making sure this episode does incredibly well. Um, if you hear this and you want to like win a prize that's meaningless because that's the only kind of prize we give out, please tell us which episode did I talk about this in? Because it genuinely, like looking through the names of all the episodes, cannot remember. But y'all, Captive Prince by C.S. Packet. I'm going to talk about it again and maybe we'll get new people reading it because genuinely, I think this book series is excellent. Uh, I won't go too far into what it's about, but the core crux of it is that there's these two warring kingdoms. Uh, one kingdom of Akilos has uh, Prince Damon and Prince Castor, and Prince Damon is set to become the next king. Uh, but his brother turns on him, stages a coup, basically. And instead of outright killing him, he ends up getting him kidnapped and having him sent to 
Veer, which is their other warring kingdom, to be sent to the prince there as like being the gift of being like an enslaved person. And so the book series has some problematic elements because of that. But that's the sort of like political intrigue part of the book where that's coming from. Um, and the reason that he's supposed to be seen as a gift, whether the prince in the other kingdom knows or not, Dominos was actually the person that killed the other king's, the other prince's brother uh, when he was a really, really young kid. So it's supposed to be kind of a thing of like, I won't have to kill my brother. I'll just ship him off to these white dudes in the south and they'll kill him for me. And then I can say, oh my God, you know, the Veer, King Laurent, Prince Laurent, he's the one that killed Dominos and we can start a war and it can be a whole thing. But in the middle of all that political element that's going on that like political intrigue and like back and forth there is a romance story between prince dominos and prince laurent and like yes the first book in particular has some problematic elements because dominos is ultimately a slave like he is gifted to him as a slave like that's not great but i do think that the writing of the book and the author's writing really picks up um, in the second and third book and really addresses some of the massive concerns from the first one. And I think even though she doesn't really get to the point where you can undo some of the problematic elements of the first book, it, it's not romanticized. Like the idea is very much like, it's not okay if this happened, but here's a thing that happened. And Dominos goes through it and he learns through it and he understands things need to change in his kingdom because of the different way the two um, countries look at things. And it's just really interesting and well-written, but it also has this underlying love story that I'm super into, even though it's incredibly dark when you go back through their childhoods. Like they have to contend with the fact that these two dudes are in love with each other, but one dude killed the other dude's brother. Like y'all, those two brothers are the ones that liked each other. Okay. That wasn't a cool thing for him to do. <laughs> so I really enjoy it. And yeah, it started off as something that was just posted to Live Journal for free. It was super popular. And so the author decided to self-publish it. And then after she self-published the first two books, uh, I think it was PRH, the Penguin Random House, that picked it up. And they published, they republished the first two books and then published the third book. And here's, here's where the problem comes in. The first two books have this very, very, very lovely, very minimal cover design. Okay, it's an all white background. It's got very simple text and a single icon on it. For something self-published, it's actually gorgeous and beautiful, all right? And because <laughs> when I bought these books, I bought the first two, the versions that had been self-published. I didn't realize that the third in the series had never been self-published. So when I fucking look at this in my Kobo library, okay, I've got one beautiful cover, two beautiful cover, three garbage published cover, all right? It's like the shadow of like a tower, of like a castle. It's green for some reason. Terrible color in this instance, all right? Big mistake. It's got this like shitty kind of crown thing going on in it. It's not good. Tell me how Penguin Random House, with all their money, made a worse cover than a live journal author did when she was self-publishing from the first time. And then to add insult to injury, all right, when she publishes the five short stories afterwards. I don't remember if she published them with Penguin or not or if she self-published them, but she used the original design. So all of the short stories have the beautiful version of the cover that are in books one and two. So when I go to my library and I open up my Captive Prince collection as I'm one to do because I enjoy the books, I have, okay, eight books and one of them has a different color 
or one of them has a different cover scheme. And let me tell you something. It's fucking bullshit. It's irritating. I hate everything about it. Uh, I'm mad and I just want a printed version of all of these books, but in the beautiful original cover. And that's my thoughts on that. Did they update the other covers to match the third book? Because I'm looking at it and I think that's what happened. That's what they did. So when PRH published the first and second, they did a reissue of those books and they Mm. changed the cover. But if you go and you look at the short stories, that's where it has. It's very simple. It almost looks like if you have a physical book, when you open up the book, it looks like the inside title page. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely lovely. And I have to say, I highly recommend these books. Like I genuinely I enjoy this book series enough that I apparently I've recommended it twice on this podcast when we have (laughs) not done that many episodes that this should be happening. When you first recommended it, I hadn't read it yet. And now I have. Oh, and now you know. So. And the author actually has a new series called Dark Rise coming out next year. And I'm really excited for that because I think that this is another author where you can genuinely see the evolution of writing. Like, I don't think the first in the book is written poorly, but I think there, again, there's a lot of problematic elements. And because she was initially self-publishing this and posting it on LiveJournal, I think more than perhaps even some other authors, she was very ready to listen to the criticisms and adjusted and learn and grew from that. And I think that you can read that quite a bit in the second and third book. And I Mm -hmm. like that about a self-published author in particular. Obviously not all of them are like that, but because you have to have such a community with your fans, especially when... I think it also, like, if you think about, like, she started on Live Journal, you said, right? And I feel like the nature of that community is very much that. Like, that makes sense to me. Like, had she self-pupped somewhere else... Like, or if she had self-pupped first without having it just posted on live journal, I think it would have been like a little bit different. Yeah, I totally, um, that was actually going to be my next point. Like, I think that helped it quite a bit. Um, yeah, and I just, I still recommend it. And I, it, again, if it's like slowly coming back to me, um, I think in particular the book series that I'm, the specific book in this that I might have recommend that might have pushed me to talk about this before was The Adventures of Charles, the Varetian Cloth Merchant. Because, like, this book series has a lot of, like, it's very serious, but a lot of very serious topics. But it's not, it's weird because it's, like, it talks about a lot of dark things, but I don't consider it to be a heavy book. So there's a lot of very funny moments. And the short stories are a mix of, like, heartbreaking, heartwarming, and then just, like, dead fucking laughter. Like, the Charles one, to this day, I remember still laughing about it because the whole point is that at this point by the end of the book, um... Or at least at this point where they are in the book, like they're two very well-known faces. They're both princes of their respective kingdoms. And there's this random cloth merchant that just thinks that one of the princes is just like a regular dude. Like he just thinks he's like an idiot, like squire helping out the other one and has no idea that he's talking to like a king, basically. So it like it's just an entire series of this dude being like, I know it must be hard because you're so simple. You're just so dumb and you're so out of his league. I know, but it, you know, I've heard that I've heard the princes love each other. There's nothing you can do. And the whole time he's talking to the other dude. Um, you know what scene I always think about from this series? It like it literally it just pops in my head every once in a while, and I'm like, what the fuck was up with that scene? <laughs> it's I think it's like the second book or something, but it's a scene, I think it's like the garden where he teaches him how to do a blowjob. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, just, like, the pure description of that scene. Sometimes I think about it randomly and I'm like, wow. Sorry. So someone is teaching the other guy how to give a blowjob because he's never done it before? I guess. Like, because he was a prince. So I guess people serviced him more than he serviced others. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Because I think you might a little bit be putting together a couple of different scenes. So in a darker scene, there is a, uh, one of the characters, the, so Prince Dominos, who is, who is there is like an enslaved person. The way that they treat them in uh, Veer is very different. Like they mostly have, they're called pets. So it's basically courtesans. So there's no mm-hmm. such thing, from their perspective, there's no such thing as a slave in Veer. They're paid sex workers, essentially. And that's how they're, to a certain extent, treating Prince Dominos when he comes. And what ends up happening is there's another pet who wants to impress mm. the Prince of Veer, Prince Laurent. And so he just does whatever Laurent tells him because he's like trying to play the game and it's all a court of politics. And so what ends up happening in the scene is Laurent instructs this pet how to specifically give Dominos a right. blowjob and like tells him exactly what he should be doing. And, like, it's very dark in that setting, but also as the time goes on, a lot of the sex stuff is actually pretty funny because... Oh, I'm just like, it's hot? Yeah, I mean, I, like, listen, it's still I mean, very well it written. definitely... Like, there's yeah. some problematic elements to it for sure, but you can also just sort of, like, it's a book, you know? Like, you can separate it from a little bit. And as time goes on, it gets even better because, yes, Dominos is a sex fiend. So the way that um, Akalos works is you... You tr- yes, you have slaves, but there are sort of justifications that you're treated very, very well. They have a very respected place in society and they have the ability to like choose to a certain extent who they will service. And Dominos, everybody wants to be his favorite because he's going to be the king. And the man is very virile. Um. Uh, so he is boning down constantly. Whereas in Veer, it would be you would only ever have sex before marriage with a pet and Laurent does not want to have a pet because he doesn't think it's okay. And they go into why, like his background and his childhood. So their relationship is very much like Laurent knows about sex from books and some other stuff. And Dominos is like, I will treat you right. (laughs) And they have lots of moments of that. Like Laurent learns to enjoy sex in a way that he didn't think was possible because he's very uncomfortable with people touching him. But the more he gets to know Dominos and they become friends and he starts to love him and then hate himself because Dominos is the man that killed his brother. Okay, it's very emotional, very much warring feelings. But as they start to bone down, they're very well done scenes. <laughs> so I got yeah, like even just like the description of me like the slit. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like it's descriptive. You say that and I immediately had a picture of my <laughs> because like it just like it sits there in your like the way she writes it's just like in your head all the time you're like wow she really wrote that one of the short stories is about that redheaded pet that gave dominos the blowjob at the specific instructions of laurent and it's about him with like this new person that he chooses to be a pet of and how like he thinks that it's a downgrade because it's almost like like there's just something about it like he's used to people viewing him as a pet or as a sex worker like is what you would consider it in like a very specific way but then there's this guy who really just like thought he was very pretty and was like a little bit in love with him but like didn't want him 
to be in like a bad place so he refuses to just sleep with him for no reason and like he starts teaching him how to read because he has he doesn't know how to read because he never had to before and then like he's always so conflicted because he's like why is this man treating me this way like i don't understand why like this is our relationship like i don't get what's going on and then like slowly they learn to love each other and it's just like and then the guy is it's very beautiful all right listen read the book read the short stories my hot uh, ticket item is someone teaching someone else how to read. <laughs> Boner city for me. <laughs> Love it. To get to that, you're going to have to read all three books because the short uh. that particular short story takes place kind of in the middle of the books. So it would spoil a lot for you if you read that first. So my question also, is. Also, like, they're really quick. So, like. So, like, sexuality, I'm assuming there there's no rules in these books. It's just, like, free for all. Yeah, pretty much. They have a each country views it a little bit differently. Like one of the common themes mm. is how the countries are similar, but the way they think of things is a little bit different. So in Veer, well, you can have a pet that is the same sex of you or your pet should only be your sex because the biggest issue is you should not have a child out of wedlock. So it's encouraged for you to have same-sex relationships because there's no risk there. Um, And that's sort of how they view it. So it would be more common, you know, and they they bring up sometimes that like there are some people that aren't super interested in it. So they just like they don't have pets because maybe they're not into dudes. But then it's also an element of like, because being a pet in this instance is like a job, they put themselves on into what other people might want. So they look at it through that lens. Whereas in Akulos, it's just, again, it's a free-for-all you wouldn't necessarily marry someone of the, you could easily marry someone of the same sex. I believe in alcohol. So it's like, yeah, that's totally fine. And if you have a kid with someone out of wedlock, that's your fucking kid. That's your baby. Great. We love it. We love to see people with children. Like they're super <laughs> into it. Like it's just a very different views of it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's never really, it's never a problem that there are two dudes who are in love with each other. I always like, I enjoy that as I reading more, like it's not, like I, I like yeah. that yeah i like that that's just the way it is and you're like exactly I lo- yeah like we get this we get like the heteronorm everywhere why can't yeah. we just have the homo norm everywhere oh and there's a section i think it's in book two where they basically go to lesbian island um in <laughs> the third yeah the third uh country that doesn't get talked about too much but they do have to pass through it it's basically almost <laughs> exclusively women and there's another there's another world a little while away that is basically almost exclusively men and they don't really like each other but every so often they'll get together for babies so that they can continue to grow their like individual tribes or whatever but it's basically just women and the idea is like you would never be in a relationship with a man you have sex with him you both have a good time you enjoy it the sex should be great but the sex should be good because you're doing it to have a child so at one point a character is in this world and they're basically talking to them and they're like you seem like you would make great babies and we need Eh. some and then the description (laughs) is this one character just boning down all night long with these this like line of women that are like this is this is what we're here for we're just here (laughs) to hopefully have him impregnate us and then we'll go off and be married to our wives this goes back to the deaf you talk those genetics though are the same (laughs) the genetics also i don't know if you remember this but last year when she was writing that book that's coming out now she was writing it based on prague i think or like the setting was based on prague so she was in prague at the same time i was and i was like maybe i will see her so i kept like walking up and down the bridges being like where's cs packet i mean she's australian otherwise so it's not like she's someone you could just run into that easily but 
highly recommend it. I'm very excited for Dark Rise. I have a feeling it's going to be really good. She also wrote a a series of comics called Fence. They're I've read not. Those. Yeah, they're not my personal favorite because I I find them a little bit not hard to follow, but the the pacing is not for me. But ultimately, well, like the like character no she makes, romance in it. Yeah, it's I like thought it was... it's a long game. I think and like I I'm not set up for that. Yeah, that's are they I... are they through a traditional publisher? Mm, yeah. So maybe they have like some rules and shit. I don't think she would agree though to that. I given the fact of how successful she is without a traditional publisher, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know what she the plan is a... that one. I like I said, I think that to be fair, it's also YA, so there could be romance, but it will never be like Right. It's never it's never gonna be as graphic as Captive Prince, I'll tell you that much. Um <sighs> it's one of those ones where I think it'll eventually get there, but for me, for a comic book series, it's taking a really long time to get there. So maybe if she ever is one day like, and we're done, I'll go back and I'll read them. But otherwise, there's also not a comic me, series. I highly recommend. And then there's also a no- like novels written by yes, Sarah so Reese Brennan. Yeah, I find that so funny oh, yeah. that a different author wrote the novelizations of it. her graphic novel. So that was my pick, possibly for the second time. And the more I talk through this, I am pretty sure it is for the second time. I just wish I could remember what fucking episode it was I talked about this. Uh, But that's why I also get my second choice, which is you should watch Insecure if you're not watching it as well. Because that started off as a web series and then HBO picked it up. So just again, my book was actually the trilogy, The Captive Prince, Captive Prince by C.S. Packett. Mine was the web series slash HBO show uh, High Maintenance. Mine was Fifty Shades of Grey, book or movie, pick or pick. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. We appreciate you guys listening to this. We appreciate you listening to Christina Reeves if you got a chance where we just angrily yelled about romance for four episodes straight. Um, could it have been angrier? Yes. And we'll get there. If we ever do it again, we'll be the most polarizing people in the world because what's better than listening to five people try to yell over each other over audio? Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any thoughts on this, if you have, if you've read any of these before, if you know what episode I picked this friggin' book in beforehand, you can let us know on Twitter and on, Eats, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram at EatsCast. Uh, you technically have the ability to let us know on Pinterest at Everyone and Their Sister Pod, and I throw that one in there for Steph <laughs> each time. Like a like a pin, like a pin. Why not? Join, follow us on Pinterest. Save a pin somewhere. Do yourself a favor. Get that engagement up, guys. Create a board just called Everyone and Their Sister and yeah, pin shit. it there. True. Yeah. Thanks guys so much, you guys, for listening. Um, we will catch you next week again every Tuesday at eight thirty with our next episode. Bye. 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 I guess we I know we haven't started the episode but we should probably thank Marina and Shanice for actually and I'll put that in the episode should probably thank them for actually being on this they'll never be on it again though we're the hosts and now we're all joining a roller skate club oh by the way you watched a couple of skating videos on the Eats Cast YouTube uh, <laughs> my personal favorite was how to not look like a beginner roller skater I did mm-hmm. laugh at that quite a bit I was like oh man <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs>